Welcome to the Modern Independent, where we are on a mission to assist modern independent workers in accelerating their growth, both personally and professionally. Every year, our parent community, Indie Collective, offers two 10-week accelerator programs known as the Launchpad. In these programs, cohorts of around 80 independent consultants and coaches, just like you, gain access to an expert-led curriculum, then work together to set bigger visions and goals for their business and lives. If you're interested in learning more about our 10-week Launchpad cohorts, go to www.indiecollective.co, where you can learn about the program, hear members speak about their experiences, and apply for the next cohort. We accept applications on a rolling basis, and as a podcast listener, you'll receive priority when applying for an interview, as well as a limited-time $500 friends and family discount. Just reference the podcast in your application. And now, on to the episode. Welcome to the Modern Independent a podcast dedicated to inspiring, equipping, and empowering top independent workers to supercharge their careers and build more balanced lives. As you probably already know, we have three flavors of the Modern Independent, and today you're joining us for an episode of The Seven Figure Playbook, a series where I, Sam Lee, the founder and CEO of Indie Collective, interview distinguished independent business builders, folks who are here to share with you the practical playbooks that help them to build more successful businesses while living balanced lives. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Kathy Ock. Kathy is a management consultant and leadership coach who really impresses me because for more than 20 years as an independent consultant, she's consistently brought a beginner's mindset to her work and her life. In today's episode, Kathy and I are going to explore a range of topics from how she got started to how she's evolved her business from a solo practice to an agency and now a collective format. And then we'll unpack some of her key learnings, things that have helped her to grow in her success and her fulfillment over the last four decades. Believe it or not, Kathy and I are new friends, and she's someone I met just a few weeks ago through the Indie Collective Grapevine. So I'm truly excited to see where this conversation takes us. So without further ado, let's get into it. Kathy, thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me, Sam. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and just start with the basics. Kathy, you've been working for now 40 plus years, half of that time in corporate and the other half as an independent. You're also a, a you know a happily married mom of three beautiful kids. So to set the stage for our listeners, can you share first just that arc of your career and life? Sure. Happy to do that. So I started working right out of college and the first organization I went to was a commercial bank. I needed to get grounded really in the financial side of business, having majored in psychology. So the commercial lending experience really was a very good way to help me understand the workings of the organization and the company and the management. And I got to see all different dimensions, spent three years there, then went to Anderson Consulting in their change management group learned all kinds of things about how to design, develop, and deliver training. And then um, from there, I went to Baxter Healthcare and I worked at Baxter for 10 years. So altogether, I spent almost 20 years in the corporate world. When I was at Baxter, I was very focused on helping to align with business leaders and support them in setting strategy, developing their leadership talent, and ultimately navigating change for the organization. So. I got to build with each step along the way, I got to build my understanding and my expertise. And that set me up then um, to leave Baxter in 2000 and start my own independent business. But that was a big leap for me. 
you know, it wasn't something that I had ever really anticipated, even my, in, even though my father is an entrepreneur, I hadn't really thought about starting my own business until I got to a place where I wanted to keep working on strategy as I had done at Baxter and the idea of bringing people along in setting that direction for the organization was really exciting to me and Baxter didn't have those opportunities. So I started interviewing and then saw all these ways in which I could leverage my experience in the marketplace and decided one day that as I was talking to my husband that I would um, set out on a new path. And that was the big leap that I made. Amazing. Amazing. I love that. Well, that call to creativity, that moment when you decide to take the leap is, is an important one. And for some like you, it was almost instantaneous when you realized that Baxter couldn't afford that next stage of your professional development. You decided to make the transition. And for others, it's a more gradual one. I'd love to hear, Kathy, how you got started. So once you took that leap, and you you went head first into independence. Where did you get started? Who were your first clients and and how did that evolve? Yeah, you know, you brought this in before, Sam, and I think it's important to say that when I started my own business, I had three small kids at home and it was a big challenge in some ways because I saw a lot of other moms my age pulling back from their jobs and spending more time in their homes. And I really felt like I needed to continue working in order to be my very best self and to be the best mom that I could be. So I have tons of respect for stay-at-home moms. I just decided that I wanted to be somebody who kept my career going. So when it didn't look like Baxter was going to have the opportunity I was seeking, I started talking with other organizations and I was out to dinner one night with my husband and he said, you know, maybe you don't have to choose one place. Maybe you can build a portfolio or as he said to me at the time, create a mosaic. And that idea of a mosaic has really stayed with me. So I said, you know what, I'm going to try. I'm going to kind of spread my wings and see how far they'll take me. And it really was a moment where I kind of set myself free from the corporate world and decided that I would focus on three key pillars. And those were strategy, leadership, and change. Those were the three areas that I was most passionate about. And I decided that trying to bring those together and really focus on the intersection of all three was going to be my sweet spot in terms of my service areas. And I saw lots of needs emerging in the market. So my first opportunity Um, came up actually with Baxter, I was looking at making the departure and I went to one of my, um, one of my superiors and I asked if I could continue leading a project there that really meant a lot to me. It was all about putting a project management methodology in place for the corporation. And I asked if I could continue leading it as an external um, consultant to Baxter Mm -hmm. and they didn't have anybody else to step into that role. So they agreed. And I ran that project and Baxter was my only client for the first eight months of my, of my new business. And it went really successfully. And then I committed to getting someone to take my place by year end, which I did. And that freed me up then to go and look for other opportunities in the market. And one of the funny things is, you know, as you read books along your path, I read who moved my cheese at that moment and realized that I was the one who needed to go back out into the maze which is the market, right? And find new opportunities. So that's what I started doing. And what I saw was that referrals, having spent 20 years in this marketplace in Chicago, referrals started to come fairly quickly. 
And that was a wonderful and very pleasant surprise as an independent. So that allowed me to continue to expand my opportunities and, and also grow my portfolio at the same time. Yeah, I love that. So in Indie Collective, we got members who are in the early days of their career, folks that are, you know, five, 10 years in. We also have members who are decades into their career. And I think as we develop in our craft and also our curiosity, I think most of us, like you, realize yeah. that we want to work at the intersection, right? Intersection of, of yeah. topics we care about, of superpowers that we've developed. So what I've found, and it sounds like you found the same, is that in order to consistently work with the right clients on the right intersectional problems, or put differently, opportunities, being independent is a form factor that allows you to more consistently do that, right? I think in your case, 20 years yeah. into a career, 10 years into a great company and experience at Baxter, you couldn't work at the intersection anymore. And boom, it meant that you needed to, to yeah. make a hard decision and go independent. So I, I love that story. It feels very much consistent with my own. Changing gears slightly, you and I share a passion for one well-known doctor, Dr. Brene Brown, who is, for, for our listeners yeah. that, that aren't familiar with her, she's a social scientist, a prolific author, and someone whose research on vulnerability, um, on connection, um, and other topics has has really changed hearts and minds from living rooms to boardrooms across the country and world. When we spoke last, Kathy, you said to me that that when you first read read one of Brene's books, it it was transformational for you personally and professionally. I'd love yeah. to hear a little bit about how Brene's research has informed your work and and how it's it's changed the trajectory of your business and life. Yeah, it's interesting. The first book of Renee's that I read uh, was her book called The Gifts of Imperfection. And a lot of people start with Daring Greatly or they've seen Rising Strong. The Gifts of Imperfection is a wonderful, fairly short book. It's just over 100 pages. And it talks about how to live a more wholehearted life. Hmm. And there are 10 guideposts in it, which I really enjoyed. Because I think living wholeheartedly is something at that time that was very easy for me to lean into. I saw and read in the first chapters of that book about what it means to live wholeheartedly. And I thought, yes, this is something that really matters to me and something I want to strive for. So I was able to really grasp some of those concepts very easily. And then I saw her on stage at a leadership summit, a global leadership summit, and was mesmerized by some of her messaging. Then I talked about her with another coach and ended up doing her five-day national certification. And I say to people, not lightly, this is something that has a lot of meaning for me, that when I went through the certification, I was like Alice that fell down the rabbit hole. I looked up and the whole world was different. And it was different because mm -hmm. I feel like Brene paints with emotion. So many of us have been taught over the course of our lives to keep the emotion out of business. And I think what Brene says is that we're wired for emotion. It's one of our great gifts as human beings, and we need to bring the emotion in. And she gives us the language, the skills, the tools, and the practices to do that effectively. And when I learned that going through the certification, I decided that I wanted to bring that to a lot more people. So I started a second business called Solstice Group that is all about trying to expand the population of people who really know 
how to practice in these ways because I think it is really what the world needs. It has changed mm. every major relationship in my life. It being um, Brene's work, really going deep into that space and learning it as she used to tell us to get it into our bones, learning it in a way that it becomes mm. part of you has truly changed every major relationship, every relationship period in my life because it's affected who I am and how I show up. Yes. Yes. I love that. And I know Brene, cause I've, I've read many of her books now myself really keys into the importance of vulnerability. And in my estimation, I imagine yours too, being vulnerable starts with knowing yourself so you can authentically share, um, with the world. I'd be curious for your take on why every independent, really why every person needs to be thoughtful and know their core values and also their core strengths and maybe share a little bit about yours. Yeah. Wonderful question. I think vulnerability in many ways has been the big unlock for me in Brene's work. I had a client a couple of years ago, he used to talk about the unlock. How do you find the unlock that thing that allows for more, more greatness, more of the excellence to come through. Vulnerability has been a real unlock for me because I think so many of us learned growing up in our careers that it was all about being confident and projecting competence and showing up with mm. the expertise and being able to leverage that. And we learn not to be vulnerable. We learn to project an image and to, to not allow our full selves to come through. And I think what Brene does in her work is she not only gives us permission, but she encourages us to step into vulnerability. And I always say one small step into vulnerability seems to make it okay for someone else to step in. So when we step into vulnerability and we're willing to say, you know, I've never done this before, or I don't know what that looks like, or this is really hard for me even that small admission or that small acceptance of something not being you know, already figured out, I think that invites other people to do the same. So that's been a really big opening for me, I think, to see that uh, there are ways that we can share our vulnerability with others in some small and measured ways and I think that uh, allows us to experience what Brene calls common humanity, that connectedness between people that is one of my core values. My core values in many ways have come through even more significantly from the work that I've done in Brene's research and practices. My core values are connection, courage, and compassion. And that's really at the heart of a lot of her work. So I think it has lifted up or elevated my values and connection, I think, is also a strength of mine. It's something that I think I really not only am drawn to, but something I've learned how to do better and better over time. And so I think it helps to encourage us to not only live out our values and be in integrity ourselves, but also to figure out what our greatest strengths are, because those strengths become our superpower and they are the skills that we can leverage in order to bring the best of who we are to our clients or through our work. And that combination is powerful. Yes, yes, couldn't couldn't agree more. And I think to land the plane, right? Some, some people think, why would I spend time, right? Why would I 
take a step back from from the day to day and really think about these headier topics. And I think it's all too practical, right? For those that need a dose of, of the practical, I think to land the plane, in my humble estimation, those core values, your strengths, those are actually tools in your toolkit for right. everything that you do on the day-to-day of your business. They're hardly esoteric at all. To relate it yeah. to one of those day-to-day activities for many of us, sales, right? We teach a number of sales frameworks through Indie Collective about relationship building at scale, about cold outreach, among others. And I've personally found that when you know your values and you know your strengths, you're able to authentically sell and actually make that an activity that feels true to you and not something that you're forcing. So I'd love to hear a little bit about how your core values, the ones that you shared and and some of the strengths that you can elaborate on, how how those have helped you in your sales motion and, and kept you with a steady pipeline of great clients and ideal engagements. You know, it's so interesting because... Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, listener. Sorry to interrupt the vibes. I'll be out of your way in just a second. It's Jan, the head of community here at Indie Collective. Thanks for making it this far into our episode. Just a reminder that if you're connecting with this story, you can go to IndieCollective.co where you can learn about the program, hear members speak about their experiences, and apply for our next cohort. As a podcast listener, you'll receive priority when applying for an interview, as well as a limited-time $500 friends and family discount. All right, I'll get back out of your way. Even having been in my own independent practice now for 21-plus years, I somewhat jokingly say to new independents who ask me this question about how I've been able to sustain my business for so long, I, I somewhat jokingly say to them, my, my marketing plan has been a very simple one, to do great work every single time and to network like crazy. And I say it somewhat kiddingly or maybe with humor but it really and truly has been my marketing plan for 21 plus years. You know, I worked as the last stop in my corporate life. I worked at Baxter Healthcare. And one of the executives one day said to me about Baxter, that Baxter breeds a big family. And Baxter was an amazing place to work. I was there under Harry Kramer's reign as the CEO. And I worked with lots of wonderful leaders. And then when the CEO changed out, a lot of those leaders left and went to other organizations and invited me back in to work with them. So I think when you build relationships and you really invest in getting to know people and building trust as part of that relationship, they remember that. And when they need somebody to come in and help them take on a business challenge or work on a mission critical engagement, they're likely to, to leverage the connections they have and the people they know. And it was really such a wonderful surprise to have people call me, you know, five, 10, 12 years later and say, we worked together a long time ago. Are you still on your own? And would you be willing to come in and partner with me on this project? So that was an amazing opportunity. And when you do great work every time, when you realize that the next engagement that you're going to be working on needs to be the best you've ever done, you're never resting on your laurels. You're never, hopefully never getting complacent or too settled in what you've done. Because as I say to so many clients, and I have to practice this myself, the world around us is changing too fast 
for us to settle in any space. The market is always giving us feedback and our job, I think as consultants, is to pay really close attention and to hear what that feedback is, to recognize the shifts, to look across organizations, to interpret what leaders are challenged by and struggling with and to figure out how we can leverage what we've learned and what we've experienced to better support them in trying to achieve their success. So the other thing I just wanted to add, Sam, based on your question is that, you know, I said connection is not only a core value of mine, but also a strength. And I've given this advice to many people. When I have one hour with a new client, I am really thinking about connection. I'm not trying to sell them anything or convince them that they should do coaching or consulting with me. I'm really just looking for connection. And the, the thing is that you don't know where connection is going to emerge in the course of your conversation. So you have to stay really open and curious and ask the questions and look for that connection. And when you get the connection, what I find is that that individual will usually want to set up another conversation. And that's all I'm trying to get from an initial interaction is what is that next, next conversation? So I think I've seen over many years that when you get connection, it opens up those new opportunities that you're looking for. I love it. I love it. And, you know, Kathy's perfectly illustrated the earlier point, namely that knowing your values yeah. and knowing your strengths isn't this esoteric exercise. It's something that is operationalized once you know them and embody them in your day-to-day -day business and life. And I think keying into just one of those values and strengths that Kathy referenced of herself, connection, yeah. and now just a few interactions that we've had over the last month, Kathy, I can see that that is embodied. It's not just something you talk about, but it's something that you care about and that you live. Yeah. And when that happens, sales becomes authentic and, and that process is one that that builds on itself, right? Referrals come from that. So I think I think from what you've described, your sales motion yeah. and the outcomes are are very connected to your values and to your strengths, and they build they build on one another. I want to add one other thing to what you said before, Sam, and that is this whole idea of trying to run your own business while being a working mom. This has become really important to me. For a long time, I tried to find balance. And I finally got really challenged by that because balance is this very fleeting thing that would come for a few seconds and then it was gone. And the last few years, what I've shifted to is now thinking about how I can be centered because to exactly the point you were making, when I'm in my center, I am anchored in my values. I'm leveraging my strengths and I feel like I can really use my own personal power with other people to connect in those ways that really drives impact. And so I just wanted to speak to that shift from balance, from being balanced to being centered, because I think, as you were saying, the values and the strengths really live in that space. I could not agree more. And I think, you know, balance is such a hairy word because it's yeah. almost unachievable. Right. If we are stretching ourselves, if we yeah. next topic, if we do keep 
anchored in a beginner's mindset, if we can stay curious through our careers in life, chances are you're always going to be stretching and stretching takes you out of balance. So I think, I think I'm glad you, you keyed into that word and I couldn't agree more going beyond balance is generally, is generally a safer and more fulfilling bet. Um, you know, as it relates to that beginner's mindset, Kathy, I'd be curious for you to comment on on this notion of growth edges. We talked about this in a recent mentoring session you did with a group of Indie Collective members. How in your career and life have you stayed curious? Have you consistently worked on your quote unquote growth edges? Um, and what are some tips that you'd offer our listeners so that they can continue to be growing and developing throughout their career and life? Yeah, I think growth edges are places where we can really benefit from more learning, where we might not feel as fully equipped or as fully prepared as we'd like to be. And so I think paying attention to gaps that we encounter or tensions that emerge, those are areas where we might sense that there is something else that we could be doing, a reach maybe or an extension beyond where we've been in the past. And because I think the market does give us feedback all the time, we're not necessarily equipped for all those things that show up, but sometimes we're called into them. So as an example, for many years, I've done vision setting and strategy development with many, many clients. And when I started that work fairly soon after that, I realized that I was being asked into the competency development space. And I, I really don't have core core expertise in developing competency models, but because I would help clients set the vision and strategy for their organization, the next natural question was, okay, do we have the talent to execute that plan? And so often the competencies of the business would change with a new vision and strategy that had been established. So I found a competency expert that I could partner with, and I brought that partner into multiple client organizations. And we would always co-design and co-facilitate the process of building out a competency model. But we probably did eight or 10 of those models together. And now years later, I'm still building competency models for clients. So I think, again, we have to listen to the feedback we're getting and recognize that sometimes we're being called into spaces where we don't have some of that core expertise, but we can, we can go beyond what we've done in the past. I think the other thing I just would say has been a growth edge for me is this whole idea of not over functioning and wanting to control how you fill your pipeline over time, right? I'm in the first half of the year, let's say, and I'm looking at the second half of the year, I'm trying to figure out where my, my future engagements will be coming from. And when I start to get a little anxious about my pipeline, in the past, I know I've started writing down names of people I want to reach out to for coffee or lunch. And inevitably, when I'm doing that and I am able to release the tension around it or the anxiety, when I can just relax into that space a little bit more, things start showing up. Sometimes even when I'm away on vacation, I notice. If you want to talk about the total mm -hmm. surrender, you're away on vacation and you get a call from someone you haven't talked to in seven, eight, 10 years. It always makes me laugh because when we overfunction, we try and grab the wheel and steer how we want things to go. You know, it, 
it doesn't always work out the way we want. And then when we pull back from that and relax into it a bit and maybe even release some of that need for control, things start showing up. So I have learned to call that trusting in emergence. If we just believe mm. in our core skills and we have the passion for our work and we can look at it with, as you said, a beginner's mind every day because it's always changing. People are always the variable in what I do and I'm always learning from them and finding out more ways of doing things differently. When that happens, then I think we, we learn potentially to trust in emergence and to surrender a little bit more of that control to see what will show up. Mm, that's powerful. Powerful and not easy, I will say, right? I, I think I, I will be the first to say of myself that I've been a planner in career and life and, and for a long time had the one and five-year visions that I've updated year over year. I've done it actually the last 10 consecutive years through a year on retreat. And it wasn't until about 18 months ago at the start of COVID that I picked up a book that I've now read a couple of times called The Surrender Experiment. It's it's by Michael A. Singer. Yeah. And we, we immediately connected around this topic of emergence because I do believe in it um, now more than ever. Yeah. Um, but I can't say that it's something I've always believed in. And, and the way that Singer talks about emergence or in his, in his vernacular surrender is that while the best laid plans are great to lay, you need to detach from them, right? Yeah. In other words, put pen to paper, have vision for the one in five yeah. years, set smart goals, be clear about what you want to accomplish, but then let the universe correlate the details, right? Allow for serendipity to present so that you can take advantage of, frankly, much greater potential outcomes than you could even imagine. Um, so I think that balance of being thoughtful and planning with detaching from outcomes and allowing for emergence or surrender or whatever, whatever word you choose to, to play a role is, is so very, very powerful. Coming back to a topic that we talked about early in the conversation, vulnerability, you know, big part of vulnerability I've found is, is not just sharing our strengths and successes, but also leaning into failures, shortcomings, things yeah. that haven't worked to plan. Um, I'm curious, how have you operationalized that in your life? And is there is there an example of a failing that you've been able to share and through that better connect with others? Yeah, that's a great question. We talk about the importance of being able to share failures as well as successes. And oftentimes we lead more with successes than we do with those disappointments or those missed opportunities. You know, I think you used a phrase before that was really helpful. And that was the word, that was the phrase inflection points. Um, you know, I think those moments where things don't go according to plan can become inflection points if we stay open and curious. And you've used those words also throughout our conversation today. Open and curious is such an important stance for us to take because when we are able to stay open and curious, instead of closing ourselves off and shutting down, which I think you know, we're inclined to do at different times when we wanna go into more of a protective or a defensive mode. If we can stay open and curious, then we're not sure, but we're more, we're more willing to see what might show up. So 
a good example is when I left Baxter, I remember uh, proposing the idea of a new strategy position because I was so excited and invested in doing more with strategy and helping people really understand where the organization was going. And I got a message from senior executives that they really appreciated the conversation, but the organization wasn't quite ready to move in that direction. And I remember sitting in my office, closing the door and doing the only really adult thing and bursting into tears, which I can count on one hand the number of times I've done in my entire career. And later in talking with a coach who was helping me, she told me that was my it's over moment. I realized that my mm. career, my 10 year career at Baxter was probably not going to afford me the opportunity to keep growing the way I wanted to. And that's when I turned my attention more toward the marketplace and said, well, I'm so invested in my own learning and growth that I'm going to figure out how to do that, whether I'm able to stay at Baxter or if I have to go beyond Baxter, then that's what I will do. And that became an inflection point, right? So I could have felt like I had failed in that moment. I was certainly deeply disappointed, but I stayed committed and true to what I really was passionate about, which was strategy, leadership, and change. And I said, you know what? I'm going to figure out how to do that work, whether I do it at Baxter or I do it somewhere else. And I ended up taking that mm -hmm. great passion outside of Baxter. And then actually, as I said before, my first project was helping them on a major initiative that is still in place for the organization. So it became an inflection point, a place where you can push off from something that didn't go the way you wanted it to you can transform that into something completely new and different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Love that. And I think something that you shared with, with our members in that mentoring session that I re referenced was that in your mind, there are no failures. Yes. There are just successes and learning opportunities. And I think that reframe is so powerful because at the end of the day, life is 80% psychology, at least in my mind. Yeah. Um, and, and how you view your circumstances, your relationships in the world, that that is going to color your experience, the actions you take, the outcomes that you achieve. So so I love that reframe. And, and obviously, it's okay to have that moment where you cry. Right. Right. And it's okay to feel down. Um but, but not viewing anything necessarily as a failure, but instead the learning and the growth opportunity. Yeah, I think that's so true. That's so true, Sam. And something else that you touched on before, and it's very much pulled through in Brene's work, and that is the power of gratitude in helping us build our resilience. So even though I didn't get the chance to do what I wanted to do at Baxter, going forward with that director of strategy role that I proposed, even though I didn't get that opportunity, I was so deeply grateful for the 10 years of experience I had there because I was able to get all kinds of support from the organization. I delivered all three of my kids while I was working at Baxter. I had lots of opportunity to modify my schedule and go from full-time to part-time. And I was so grateful for all the opportunities that I'd had while I worked there that yes, I had my moment of disappointment for sure. And I also really was able to preserve the gratitude for all the incredible opportunities I'd had during my 10 years. And I was able to leverage that going forward. So that gratitude 
even when things don't work out the way you want, if you can hold on to the gratitude, I think it's a huge driver of resilience. And Brene pulls that through very strongly in her work. She says every example of resilience had gratitude in it somewhere and that people who are resilient have a strong gratitude practice. And I believe that. Mm -mm -mm. Love that. I, I think, you know, this, the, this kind of bringing us back to Baxter, your jumping off point for independence, your first yeah. 21 years of independent work is a, is a perfect segue to my last question. What's next for you? You've been, you've been doing your independent thing for more than two decades. You've tested your hand at multiple form factors as a solo, as an agency, and you've done all sorts of things from developing your own frameworks to, to using the frameworks of greats like Brene Brown. What's in store for you next and, and what's inspiring that? Oh, what a great question. Um, I have this crazy notion that what I do needs to live on past the time when I can necessarily do it. So I would say the next chapter for me is all about trying to share more of my lessons learned with broader groups of people like Indie Collective, perfect example, try and scale the work that I do in the conscious leadership space so that it's reaching more of our emerging leader population and also bring more people into my practices so the solutions and the services can be sustained beyond my involvement. So I was talking with a friend last week who's close to retirement and he's gonna he's been doing um, legal work for clients for many years and he's gonna retire and he's gonna walk out the door, turn off the lights and and close it behind him. And I've been really thinking about that because I don't really think that that's the way I want things this chapter to close out. I really want to be able to sustain the work. I know the needs in the marketplace will still be there long after I've stepped away from them. So I really would love to find more ways to extend the solutions and services that I've created and the, yeah, offer those to more clients going forward. So I said to this friend of mine last week, I'm having too much fun to step away right now. It's just so great to be in this conversation with more people. And I'm trying to build bridges between my organization and other organizations so that we can really collaborate with one another and share the best of what we bring for more and more clients. So I'm just really loving the work and the, the challenge of trying to figure out how to sustain it and scale it beyond what I can do individually. Yes. Yes. I love that. And and honestly, I think two of the things that you've said at the top of our conversation and now as we're concluding, for me, are the are the core tenets of the future of work. Um, first, I think more and more of us in the mid and certainly later stages of our career are going to want to pursue a portfolio approach to work and life. Mm -hmm. And that means having a mosaic or a constellation of things about which we are passionate and which really draw on our values and our strengths so that we're successful and fulfilled in this portfolio of work that we do. And second, nobody wants to work independent independently. People want to collaborate, right? We're human beings yeah. at the end of the day. And when we come together, and I think the operative word is 
collective, right? When we come together collectively um, and we collaborate mm -hmm. on meaningful work, we, we just are more successful, fulfilled and impactful in that work that we do. So I love that, that, you know, as you've evolved in your career, you've really tried your hand at different form factors, independent, doing solo work, agency, doing it in a formal collaborative environment. And now, as we talked about a few weeks ago, doing it in kind of this parachute yeah. model. I don't know if you want to just elaborate on, on how you think about the parachute, the collaborative model. Yeah, I'd love to say a word about that. Years ago, I attended a retreat, um, you know, that Joan Borensenko led. She's very focused on mind, body, spirit alignment. And she made a comment that has stayed with me a very long time. She said, you know, early in her career, she thought it was all about doing great work. And what she's recognized is that all these years later, it's really about working with great people. And I would say that that is very much my focus now, that I just am getting so much energy from connecting with wonderful people and figuring out how to link arms with them, which is the parachute model. You know, when you're in that free fall and you can link arms and you can work that together, mm -hmm. it feels so different. And I love your word collective because I think and community is the other one, I guess. We we really benefit so much from being in community with one another. And that is all about the connection and the opportunity to collaborate. So this idea of linking arms and doing things in more of that collective format is something that is very appealing to me. And I'm trying to really be intentional about doing that on a cross-generational basis. I'm used to doing a lot of things with my peers, but right. now I, as I said, I'm reaching for this emerging leader population. What does it look like to bring more people into this work who are 20, 30 years my junior and have a whole different set of experiences that they can contribute? And the power that we get from being able to do that together, I think is really, um, is really exciting. I love it. Well, Kathy, uh, I really do believe independence shouldn't come at the cost of community. And I count myself lucky to have you in my community and to be building Indie Collective together. So thank you for your time today. Um, it's always a pleasure. Thanks so much. It's been wonderful to be in the conversation with you and to share it with a lot more people.